It's time to get in the game. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Get in the Game podcast, the podcast where we explore ways to get off the sidelines, stop making excuses, and get in the game. I'm your coach, Trevor Dean, and today we're going to be talking about the house of the Lord. Now, we're going to get into what that actually is in a little bit, but if you are, are tuning in for the first time, or if you haven't already, please head on over to our website for ways to interact with us. You can watch us. You can get links to listen to us. You can interact with us on uh, on social media. Uh, the website is www.getinthegamepc.com. And uh, those, if you don't want to click the links for social media, you can go straight over to Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook and uh, get us there. Our handle is at getinthegamepc. Or you could email us at getinthegamepodcast at gmail.com and you can interact us interact with us there. Um, you know, with any praises, prayer requests, um, things, ideas for the podcast, or just if you just want to, you know, reach out and tell us how much you enjoy the podcast. That'd be great. We'd love to hear from you. So with that being said, what is the house of God or the house of the Lord? Well, traditionally it was the temple. And the temple had a lot of significance uh, in the Old Testament of the Bible. And uh, this is where God, God's earthly dwelling was. It was in the temple. And they had a special room within the temple called the Holy of Holies. And this is a spot that was basically blocked off from uh, the public, blocked off from uh, most of most of everybody, actually, all but one person was allowed to go in there, and that person was only allowed to go in there once a year. So even the the normal priests, the uh, the religious leaders, they couldn't go into this room where the Ark of the Covenant, uh, which is what held the Ten Commandments, where that was kept uh, in the Holy of Holies. This was considered God's dwelling place on earth, and the only person who was able to go in there was the high priest. Once a year, that high priest would be able to go into that room, and uh, basically, what he would do that one time he go in there is he would atone for the sins of Israel, the nation of Israel, and so the rest of of the year, um, if you know anything about the old uh, the Old Testament and the way that people um, had to uh, sacrifice, whether it be uh, you know animals or um, Maybe their some of their uh, produce or anything that basically you know, like a tithe type stuff. If they had to, they had to sacrifice things um, as an offering to the Lord to basically rid themselves of the guilt of sin. Um, and that was could be a, a, a the temple is where they did that. You know, daily, weekly, monthly, and then that one time a year. That's where the high priest was able to enter into this place called the Holy of Holies. Now the Holy of Holies was um, separated and blocked off by um, a veil, a very long, thick veil. And um, there are uh, different uh, measurements in the Bible. And if you ever want to go and read about the numbers and the measurements of the temple in the Bible, um, some people might find it very, very fascinating. To me, 
that is not something that I like to spend as much time doing it, but it is important to know that this was these were specific instructions by God of how to build the temple, including this veil that would block you know anyone from from being in or out. Um, and so while that ha- like while it's there, some people say it could be anywhere from forty to sixty feet tall. Um, I don't know about how wide, but you know if it's if it's that tall, it's probably pretty wide. And then estimated about four or so inches thick. And so that's this is fabric. This is obviously a very heavy veil, a very heavy block that you wouldn't be able to see through. You wouldn't be able to just you know take a peek or anything like that. You would have to um, make it a point to go into that area to to see. And uh, so the again the high priest was the only one to be able to do that to atone for the sins of the nation. But when Jesus was here, he was about to basically change all of that. Take all the rituals and all the things that they used to do and the sacrifices that they used to to um, perform at the temple and basically get rid of all of it. Get rid of it all and just shake up everything that people knew of. And so in Matthew um, chapter 27, verses 50 through 51, this is when Jesus is on the cross. He's um, about to give up his spirit to the Lord to to die. Um, he's about to die on the cross. And um, as he does this, look what happens. So we start off in verse 50. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. Now remember, I said it was 40 to 60 feet tall and about four inches thick. So to tear a piece of fabric that is four inches thick and heavy and and um, definitely, uh, I would say, uh, very course it's not like oh it's four inches thick but you know it's a lot of fluff no this is a very heavy woven piece of fabric that was torn in two from top to bottom only an act of god could have done this the significance of this though is is what's crazy so the significance of this is that jesus was the sacrifice that paid the full atonement of all sins of everyone forever Jesus was and is the true veil he was the thing that was keeping people you know uh, um, not he wasn't keeping people from God but he was here to be the veil that was now able to be opened and allow access to God through him he was opening the veil. He was, he was by his sacrifice. We are now have full access to God through Jesus's sacrifice. And because of that, God no longer lives in temples. He lives in his church and the church is his body of believers, the body of believers, the church. And he lives in us in the form of the Holy spirit. Now, Jesus told his disciples that he would be sending a helper that helper is the Holy Spirit. 
In John 14, verse 16, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may, that he may be with you forever. And then in verse 26, Jesus refers to the helper as the Holy Spirit. So he's saying that the Holy Spirit, he, say, he, he will ask the Father, and the, the Father will give the Holy Spirit so that he can be with us forever. And in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, and I've read this before. I think I even read it just a, a couple episodes ago. It's the Great Commission. It says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given me, given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded to you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so you notice that Jesus said, in the name of, and not names. He didn't say in the names of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, in the name of. And that is to signify that they are one. It's three parts in one God. So when God sends the Holy Spirit, he's sending God to dwell in us. He's, he's sending God himself to live in our soul, to take over. And so you're probably wondering, why am I, why am I saying all this? Well, I'm saying all this because now that we are the dwelling place of God, we are the temple. We are the house of God. What prompted this whole this whole talk was uh, it's it's happened for a while and I've kind of had these thoughts um, every time probably in the last year or so every time someone at a church says isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord today and I get what they're saying and it, and it's not a, a complete dig at what they're saying because the buildings that we're in are definitely a gift from God everything is His and everything belongs to Him. And we're just using things as tools. But that's not where he lives. It might be God's house, but it's not where he lives. We are the temple of God. And I will say, I'll show it right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. It says, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. So in Corinthians, that's that's uh, the Apostle Paul is telling us, we are the temple. God is holy, and he, he dwells within us. The Spirit of God dwells in you. It says it right there. And then also in 1 Corinthians, in, in chapter 6, just a few chapters, um, you know, later it says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify, glorify God in your body. That price was what Jesus did on the cross for us. That's that sacrifice. That's that atonement. Something that only Jesus could accomplish. So we were bought with the price. Those of us who believe who are who are Christians, we were bought with a price, and that price 
is the blood of Jesus. He died on the cross for our sins. And then he sent the helper to dwell in us. So we have God living in us. So our body is the temple. And so because of that, how should we treat our body? How should we treat the temple? You know, sometimes I feel like we take better care of the stuff we have than the stuff that we live in, or, and I mean that by like our body, then take care of ourselves. So in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Our spiritual service of worship is to take care of the temple of God. Present our bodies as a living and a holy sacrifice. That means we have to do everything we can to keep ourselves holy. In my humble opinion, I believe that if we as believers were more intentional about keeping that in mind, that we are the temples of God, that the way we live our lives and the stuff we put, you know, put through, put it through, and it, it's it's that that it's a de- uh, direct reflection of our spiritual service of worship, then I think that we all be a lot more bold for Christ. Last week I talked about boldness, and I, and I truly believe if if we took care of ourselves in that way, if we remember that we have God living in us, we try our best to live holy, and we remember that Jesus said He won't leave us; He will be with us always, even to the end of the age. That we again, we'd be a lot more confident in our walk with God, a lot more bold in, in in telling people about Christ. Now, don't get me wrong; I don't have any problems with the local church building structures for worship or other types of ministries that they might have. I really don't. It is important that we have a place that we can come together as a a, a church family and worship uh, and fellowship together. And when I see a church family that you know that's in a local church, that's not the big C church it's it's a, it's the local church it's a lowercase c church the big c is the body of believers we are the actual church so like i said it is important that we have those that we can go to and we can worship together and hang out and having you know having a structure or a building is important as long as the church Big C church doesn't stop being the church. As long as we don't let, um, as long as we don't sit back and let the amenities of a campus or a building or uh, a ministry, like, you know, just the name of a ministry or something, as long as we don't sit back and let those do all the work, we are the true temple of the living God. And we are to go out and reach people. That's what that, that's what that, um, the Great Commission is about going out and, and and being a light to the world, teaching, you know, going and, and reaching out to uh, all nations. But it, it's not just doesn't have to be far outreaching. It can be the people who you interact with each and every day. That's what we are supposed to do. We're to be a light to this world and not just someone who points to a building and lets it do all the heavy lifting. The buildings are tools that we are to use to help disciple others 
and to outreach to our communities. But we're the ones that have to put in the work. We are the church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So I urge you, all you believers, all you Christians out there, be the church, the real house of the Lord. That's all I got for you today. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks so much. I love you guys. I'm praying for you. Let's get off the sidelines. Stop making excuses and get in the game. See you next week. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Get in the Game podcast. Please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That's the best way to support us. Find us on YouTube and subscribe for more content. If you would like for us to pray for you, or if you have topics that you would like us to tackle in upcoming episodes, email us at getinthegamepodcast at gmail.com. That's getinthegamepodcast at gmail.com. Or hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Get in the Game PC. If you've experienced getting off the sidelines and getting into the game yourself, please let us know. And remember, it's time to get in the game.